0: You are listening to Brea and Leia, a Star Wars podcast hosted by a mother. That's me. I'm Annika, and daughter. Hello, I'm Kirsty. Today, we're
1: discussing our favorite Star Wars
0: planets.
1: Very cool. I like this topic idea because you know it's not something you necessarily would think of right away when you're thinking about when you're thinking about a story. Things like the plot and the characters jump out more as discussion worthy, but. When you think about it, the planets are really critical to Star Wars. Yeah. They create the setting. They create all these iconic scenes that we see throughout the galaxy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they really make it feel like a big, wider galaxy.
1: Yeah.
0: So they they set everything up. On Twitter, I called it, you know, something a little bit fun mm-hmm. and not drama heavy.
1: There's not much to debate about when it comes to planets, right? (laughs) It's more lighthearted. I think that's the word I used, lighthearted. Definitely, yeah.
0: So I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: So we didn't do a set number of choices for this or anything like that. We're just gonna list off some favorites and chat about it.
0: Did you categorize yours in any way? No. I did. (laughs) I, I made my list and then i then i was like okay how can i organize these in some semblance of order and i was like well there's desert planets and water planets okay. and forest planets city planets and then etc very cool we can go with that interestingly my list ended up being 20 planets that i felt like i could say at least one intelligent thing about <laughs> Or, or interesting, perhaps not intelligent. Mm-hmm. And then I came up with these categories, and it turns out that there's four planets in each of the five
1: categories. Wow. So Well, that's neat. I mean, it probably says something about the design of the galaxy and yes. how they created the story, and they wanted to have a variety of different types of planets, and then some maybe that are a little similar but still kind of distinct. And then, you know,
0: I I always start with a giant list, and then I, Uh
1: you
0: know, I have my long list, but but then there's, like, the planets that are, that I have more than one quote-unquote intelligent thing to say about. Mm -hmm. There's far fewer of those, but...
1: Yeah, I can't even really say the number at this point. It's just, like, a mess on my screen right now of of (laughs) notes and things, so... Sounds good. I like messes. Yeah. I also like
0: over-organization, so we work out well. It
1: works. Yeah. Normally I over-organize them, but this time I'm just like, oh, whatever, it's fun. Just put down whatever I think of or find yeah. on the internet. Like, I have some random little fun facts and things Ooh, like that. I like fun <laughs> facts. Those yeah. are always fun.
0: So do you want to start with desert planets since that's sure. perhaps the most iconic?
1: Yes. Seems like a good place to start.
0: I will say that of my four desert planets, none of them are bolded or underlined. <laughs> they are the not least interesting in Star Wars, but perhaps the least interesting to me of the twenty interesting planets I wrote down.
1: Fair enough. I think I only wrote down Tatooine as a as the desert <laughs> planet on my <laughs> list. So
0: Well also, you don't know how I'm I'm categorizing things. So I have Tatooine, Jakku, Pasana, and Cantonica. I don't even know how to pronounce that one. Cantonica.
1: I don't know what that is.
0: That's where Canto Bright oh. is.
1: It turns out
0: that's a desert planet. They
1: didn't say that in the movie, did they?
0: No. I found that out from Wikipedia.
1: I thought that planet was more of like a grassland or something.
0: Well, that's what makes it interesting. So fun facts. Should we start with my fun facts about Kantonica? Okay. It's a desert planet that the high society of Canto Bright created. They, like, manufactured a nicer planet. I was going to classify Cantonica as a water planet because it has a giant waterfall. Okay, yeah. However, it turns out that that giant waterfall and the entire sea is all artificial, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, the lagoons in Disney World. Uh huh. That's why it's different colors, and that's why high society loves it because mm-hmm. they can look out and say, yes, we created this. Right. It, is all, it is all a facade. So this is probably, of my four <laughs> desert planets, this is probably actually the most interesting to me because it turns out that it's all a facade. Mm-hmm. And that fits in very thematically yeah, with those scenes as well. And also, it's where all the terrible people live, or at least where all the terrible people party Mm-hmm. But it's also where Broom Boy lives. <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. this is my favorite thing about it, is that I like that Broom Boy is from a desert planet, just like Luke and Anakin Oh, and isn't Rey. that nice? Yeah. You know, it it works out to be, hey, all you people who say he's not special because he's <laughs> not Luke, Anakin, and Rey, turns out he is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I like Broom Boy. I wish he showed up in the last movie. Uh, he has a, his own trilogy in my head. <laughs> Man, Cantonica, yeah, I had no idea that had that a uh, name. I mean it make, makes sense. But. I of course had to start with
0: the list of all Star Wars planets. Uh-huh. And so I figured out Canton. I was like, well, that must be Canto. Mm. Right. Like that makes sense. That's where that is. But then I like read up about it and I was like, this planet's way cooler than it actually seems to be. <laughs> but Tatooine's on your list. And when I said desert planets are probably most iconic. It's really, I mean, Tatooine.
1: Right. And other planets are trying to be like Tatooine sometimes, I feel like, (laughs) (laughs) to sort of give that nostalgia. I would say that, that Jakku and
0: Fasana are really just sort of shadows of Tatooine. They don't have their own uniqueness to them. I like Fasana because... It had that festival and as silly as that festival was, (laughs) Uh like it was a made up festival of 42 years because Star Wars was 42 years old and like, that's silly. But (laughs) I also like the cheesiness of it and I like the little kids and I like Rey Mm -hmm. having her little necklace and going to a little party and she's just like actually happy on that planet. Right happier on that planet than she seemed to be in the rest of the movie. <laughs> I like those things about it, mm-hmm. but other than, like, the cute little kids and their cute little festival, it didn't really have its own uniqueness to it. It was just a shadow of Tatooine.
1: Yeah, that's the planet that I didn't realize was not Jakku at first. <laughs> Fair, because i don't like, it might as well be Jakku. But, or Tatooine. The
0: whole thing with the, the ship, but, you know, and like, that not? was on Jakku, and then not... And, Actually, I have no, I don't really understand anything that happens in that movie. <laughs> I like the idea of echoes and shadows, and I I appreciate yeah. these. And that's, you know, like I said about Broom Boy coming from a desert planet. Like, that is way cooler to me than Kasana <laughs> and Jakku seeming to be the same place. But I still, it's I still, like, remember it, I guess, is, is what. Mm. So that's what I want to say about it, is is that. I don't know. I, I don't know why I ended up on my list, but...
1: No, I like it. <laughs> I remember the reason I thought it was Jakku is because they bring back this whole sinking sands thing, which she talks about on Jakku, but, you know, there's no reason that multiple planets can't have sinking sands. certainly, you know, planets, <laughs> there's, it, it's still a desert, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to talk about Tatooine?
0: Yes, let's talk about Tatooine, because that's the, it's the, <laughs> it's the, the main desert planet. The OG.
1: The OG Desert Planet. That's right. It's the first one we get to see. And I think it does have that sense of nostalgia, which is why we see Desert Planets coming back. But it's like we see Tatooine in so many different contexts that it feels familiar to us, you know? I feel like I could go there and know where the Skywalker Ranch is versus Moss Isley and the place where the pod racing is. You know, it's like this familiar town, right? You know? Yes.
0: It does have its own unique culture. It's, I mean, we've been there the most, I think. Yeah. I think of, of all the planets, we get to see Tatooine the most. It's in all of the trilogies. And mm-hmm. we see lots of different places on it. Like, we we yeah, we see the farm and we see Mos Eisley and then we Java's see palace. Mos Espa, Java's palace. And, and it has the sunset.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That makes it alien mm-hmm. or you know non-terrestrial yeah so it helped back when star wars was first made in 1977 you couldn't create a whole different place the way that they right. did in the prequels mm-hmm. so just having that sunset is what made it a galaxy far far away made it
1: otherworldly right i agree i thought the exact same thing when thinking about tattooing it's like this place could exist on earth but then you see that binary sunset and it's like such a famous like central scene to the film and this got me curious about in real life are there binary sunsets and stuff like that and so i do have fun fact for you um (laughs) so it turns out that four out of five of stars that we know of are multiple star systems and binary star systems are actually the most common of these multi-star systems so it turns out there's probably a lot of planets out there that have binary sunsets. Ooh. And so it almost makes sense that, like, this gets referenced in other places, you know, other planets that have them in Star Wars. And mm-hmm. as I, I would sometimes think to myself, like, really, another binary sunset? But, you know, it, it could happen, right? It's really, <laughs> we're just used to our solar system where we have only one sun, but in reality, you can have multiple suns.
0: That's interesting to me. It It adds a... A, another layer of this is special, but also it could be anywhere. Right, yeah. And I think that's important to the story because the Skywalkers are special, but also they could be anyone.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be the story of someone not really coming from anything special and then becoming a central character in this exciting story, and so it does definitely reflect the planet itself. I agree. I also think Moisture farming is is just a neat concept, you know. <laughs> like I again, agree. it's something familiar to us and yet fantasy and otherworldly, you know.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that I really it's ridiculous and and no one would ever like write a manual about how to farm moisture on Tatooine, but I also would read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'd be bored, but I would I would enjoy being bored. <laughs> Just because that strange little detail is is yes, what makes it interesting and otherworldly, but also completely mundane.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like what could be more boring than farming water? <laughs> oh, the poor Lars!
0: They deserve better. <laughs> uh, but speaking of water, do you want to what? move on to water planets? Sure. What's your first water planet? Well, of my four water planets, three of them are bolded, and one of them is bolded and underlined.
1: Ooh, I know which one that is, I think.
0: I think (laughs) I can figure it out. But let's start with the one... That is just listed, but is also the most water planet of all water planets, which would be Camino.
1: Yes, Camino. I've had that on my list mostly because it is almost entirely ocean, which is just very cool as a concept. It's one of those, how would that actually work questions,
0: but also so cool. Mm -hmm. It makes it more fantastical and more, it has that fairy tale aspects to it because it's taking it, a simple element, and creating a whole planet of it. Yeah, very And I like it as the Caminoans
1: are creepy, Mm. scary weirdos. (laughs) Yeah, I think the sort of design of them and the clone facility itself is kind of cool, where, like, there's this, like, bright whiteness to everything, where it's so pristine that you, that it's creepy, you know, like you know that something's off there as soon as you see the sort of bright white interior and characters that's yes, yeah. has this yes, eeriness to it and artificial. Yeah. which
0: makes sense because they're clones. Mhm. But at the same time, as we all know, we love the clones and there's a lot more to that to them than meets the eye. Mhm. And so I just, I like how that all works off of each other, that the idea of a water planet is so cool, but then if you think about it too hard, it's like, wait. (laughs) And that's kind of like clones. It's like, ooh, clones, cool. And then you think about it too hard, you're like, wait a minute, maybe that's a bad
1: thing. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't create people. Yeah, it's fitting. And I I like the scenes that take place in the outdoor section where, like, Obi-Wan and Jango Fed are fighting and sort of that constant rainstorm going on. It's pretty neat.
0: And I love that it just... Obi-Wan is completely wet the entire time he is there and he's yeah. also completely confused the entire time he's there. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Every Obi-Wan and Camino scene is gold.
1: Even in the Clone Wars, because I remember there's that battle on Camino in that one episode and Obi-Wan like befriends one of the water creatures or something to get there. I remember, I don't remember what it was, but I distinctly remember like him riding something out of the ocean <laughs> <laughs> on Camino. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, but yeah, it's neat that we get to see more of it in the Clone Wars and sort of how the clone cadets are trained and what the day-to-day life is like in that strange place. So, it's neat. Now let's talk about the frozen water planet of Hoth. yeah. Okay, yeah, I was wondering, yeah, ice is water, it turns out, so. Snow and ice (laughs) are also water, so I decided Hoth got to be a water Water planet. planet. (laughs) Definitely, yeah. So, Hoth, I think is probably a fan favorite among planets. Absolutely. And for good reason. It definitely makes for some very cool landscape shots in Empire Strikes Back. And you get to see, like, unique costuming of the characters and their sort of winter gear and everything. So it definitely has a particular aesthetic to it.
0: And I love that the planet is hostile and trying to kill them just as much as the Empire is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had to run away to this planet that is... Nearly impossible to live on. They yeah. can't make their ships go. Their speeder bikes don't work. I think it's a, that's a, that's a, a metaphor almost
1: for the where they are yeah. in and the they, story. You know, they open with it in Empire Strikes Back, and I think that's really setting the tone for the film, where it's sort of this lower point for the rebels, where they're facing a lot of challenges, and that sort of continues throughout the whole movie. So that's. Neat. Everything is cold <laughs> and dark. I read a little bit about behind the scenes stuff on Hoth. It was filmed in Norway and from what I read it seemed like the sort of discomfort of the planet was partially real to the actors and the crew because it was very cold and there were <laughs> blizzards and avalanches and stuff going on when they were shooting and I read one part where they said, like, the temperature is so cold that they'd keep the equipment inside and just film, like, poor Mark Hamill out there in the cold by himself, you know, for those scenes, so. And (laughs) then, um, meanwhile, for the indoor scenes, they were filming in a studio, which could get very hot, and they're wearing all these winter coats and everything, so, yeah, it's (laughs) interesting. Sounds like it was not the most comfortable part to film as well.
0: Wow, amazing. So, yeah, I really like Haas, even though it seems like... (laughs) no one would want to live there or go there or spend a prolonged amount of time there Mm. but it's very memorable and it's very like fit like you it gives me a warm fuzzy feeling even even though it seems
1: awful (laughs) so yeah for sure and I also wanted to mention again with you'll, you'll notice a little bit that I went down a bit of a astronomy rabbit hole with My facts sometimes, because I was like, what would this be like in real life kind of thing? We've talked about in the past how it's a little odd that the planets in Star Wars are often all one type of biome. Yes. Like the desert planets, the ice planets. But when you think about it, real life planets are often like that too. Like we live on Earth, so we think of it as being very diverse. But Mars is basically a desert planet and I have some examples of not planets, but moons in the solar system that are ice planets. Right. Like Neptune's moon, Triton, is completely covered in ice, uh, specifically frozen nitrogen. It's not always water ice, but Europa, Jupiter's moon is covered in ice. So that is sort of a thing that can happen even in our own solar system, which is neat.
0: That is super cool. And we always talk about, you know, we're more, if we are wherever to colonize somewhere, In our solar system, it would probably be one of those moons more than a planet.
1: Mm. Well, I don't know. They're really working on Mars right now.
0: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) They want to colonize. Everybody wants to go to Mars. Mars.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. What makes the Star Wars planets unique is not even that they are single biomes often but it's the fact that they have like an atmosphere that you can breathe like there's so many breathable planets in star wars <laughs> whereas like yeah you know the reason we have ice planets in real life is because obviously there are planets that are super far from the sun but you wouldn't be able to live there you know right <laughs> so either the star wars galaxy they have the technology to make it hospitable or they're They just happen to have some really nice planets there.
0: (laughs) Maybe it's one of those time loops where a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away for us is our future. Whoa. It's always interesting to me how, you know, with the High Republic now coming and they're going to go into Star Wars past, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite things about Rogue One is how everyone in Rogue One looks like they popped out of the seventies uh-huh. because they wanted to match the aesthetic of a new hope, uh-huh. but that's like so Star Warsy because yeah. Star Wars has this very we are very much the past mm-hmm. while also being technologically futuristic, futuristic. Yeah.
1: especially for prequels. Like we talked about, how it's interesting that the prequels are sort of more techy than the than the originals, right? And I think that that we can see that in the planets as
0: well. Planets are so old-fashioned, and yet they have droids and and lasers and all of this mm-hmm. stuff at the same time.
1: The Next on my list is Octo. Oh, yeah. Loosed That's definitely a water planet. planet. Yeah, we mostly just see the island, but it is a whole planet. <laughs> we don't see everything else, but she flies there. We see, like,
0: briefly, mm-hmm. and... We can. I can imagine, based on seeing the island surrounded by water, that at least there's a lot of water there. Yeah. From from our vantage point, it a definitely water plant.
1: seems like a vast ocean, and that's sort of part of what makes that island so isolated. It's not just an island on an Earth like planet. It's like this very isolated place, far
0: far away mm-hmm. from them. Even even in the galaxy, far far away, it's far far away, and that's why they couldn't find it for so long Mm -hmm. we have mentioned how beautiful luke's island is everything about that place is just it's just stunning and it's all real so
1: yeah filmed on the coast of ireland on an island called skellig michael and yeah even the like the stone steps the jedi steps are real there is like a sixth century monastery that they lead up to The rock that Ray accidentally cuts in half with a lightsaber is a real, like, stone outcroft that has a name. It's called the Wailing Woman. So it's like a sort of cultural icon. It looks like a, a, it's supposed to look like a sad, lonely figure against the ocean landscape. And so it's like sort of a cultural icon that she cut in half, but not really, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But she's the Wailing Woman. Yeah, I started looking at these pictures and I'm like, wow, yeah, everything in that scene is real.
0: And yet I completely believe that it, that's where the Jedi began mm-hmm. and that's where Luke lives and that's where these, these little fish nuns live. And I, I believe in the Star Wars version, even though I can look at pictures of the real one. Right. My favorite thing about this planet is actually that Luke gets his, his binary sunset as he's dying for for his end mm-hmm. at the end of the last jedi. And I love that his call to adventure binary sunset that he has on Tatooine is on the desert planet that he grew up on and that was where his father is from. Mm-hmm. But the binary sunset that happens in his swan song as he's laying to rest is on a water planet like from where his mom is from. Mm.
1: Yeah, I like that. It's neat that there's a contrast there, even though it's sort of calling to this specific scene. Exactly, that it,
0: that it is hearkening back to that beginning, but in a different way. And he's looking out over a vast ocean, ocean. instead yeah. of a vast desert. And I just think that brings balance <laughs> there you go. to his family. And I just, I really, when I started making this list and thinking about these planets and how it all worked together and what it how it helps tell the story, how the planets help tell the story mm-hmm. based on the scenes that happen there and the people that are that these planets are important for. I, I realized I made this connection because I... Let me get to my next planet. <laughs> I'll <laughs> explain how Padme is a symbol of water and the, how important that is to me, that mm-hmm. idea of Padme representing water. And so the fact that Luke, who I've always said, is Padme's son in many, many ways and is a continuation of Padme's story in many, many ways.
1: Yeah, he's trying to find the good in Vader and all that, so definitely is evoking Padme.
0: And so that he spends most of his life on a water planet and then and then has this final binary sunset goodbye M-hmm. That is both connected to his his birth planet. You know, I guess his not his birth planet,
1: home planet, his ancestral
0: planet. Yes, his home planet. But is also connected to water, and and therefore to Padme in that moment as well. And I, I just like really that. loved that connection once I came across it in my mind.
1: Yeah, that's very neat.
0: So yeah, spoilers. <laughs> Naboo. Naboo is <laughs> the final water planet and one of my most, most favorite planets in all of Star Wars. It's stunningly beautiful. All of the happy things happen there. Mm. I think that it really, really represents Padme again. That she mm. that Padme as a character and her character arc are all very wrapped up in the ideals of Naboo in really, really interesting ways. And part of that is... The beauty and the water and the fact that Anakin comes from a desert planet and mm-hmm. he, he seeks water and needs water, I think is, that symbolism is, is really, it seems to me, very obvious and I think beautiful. Her name means water lily.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yes. The word Padme and the word Ren both mean water lily. Really? Yes. <laughs> Fun fact. And that and has that always meant a lot to me. <laughs> Probably I, it's not. one of those, <laughs> I don't care if it's intentional because I'm going to make it fit anyway. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> we see water everywhere in her planet. The indigenous peoples of Naboo are the Gungans. The mm-hmm. humans are the colonizers, <laughs> which also, like, y- y- that's sort of a bad thing. You don't yeah. want to be a colonizer, but that fits in with Padme's political arc and the fact that she's at the dusk of the Republic, the fact that Palpatine was her mentor and uh, you know was also from that planet. I think uh-huh. that all fits in with the ruling class of Naboo being people who took it over from the Gunkins. Right. Yeah. Also, she's the the person who reached out to them and said, "Hey, we need your help." Mm. And in theory was trying to fix those, you know, trying to start reparations of some kind for the Gungans
1: mm-hmm. and their culture got screwed up because Palpatine. But she was trying. I always thought it was interesting that the Gungans call the humans the Naboo. I always thought that was odd that, you know, that's the name of the planet and also what they call the people, but that makes me wonder, like, do they call them that because the humans are the ones that came up with that name for the planet and, like, the Gungans probably had a different name for it already or something because yes. that seems very colonizer Exactly, and, like, definitely fits in once you think about it.
0: It's like America.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, this is, again, this is why Naboo needs to be, why don't we have more of more Naboo? Of yeah. we, need, we need more of Naboo. This is why they should let me make my Handmaidens of Naboo television series.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really. Which would be amazing. (laughs) It is beautiful. I think it's cool that, you know, again, we've talked about some planets that are all one thing, whereas Naboo has, like, a variety of different landscapes. I feel like every scene with Padme in Attack of the Clones, you're seeing this new, beautiful view, (laughs) you know, which is all on this one planet. And you're right that there's always some kind of water feature, like... Specifically, the waterfalls in the background of that one scene are very pretty. And there's waterfalls. The feed is is like sort of a Venice-type
0: place where mm-hmm. the, the water is all throughout it. And I love that one shot where the ships are coming out of the starport, and there's a waterfall there, too. Mm-hmm. And then the lake country right. where Padme is from is... Gorgeous and amazing and beautiful. That's where the water, the waterfalls in the meadow scene are. The gondolas that bring them to her mm-hmm. balcony, villa. The many important scenes happen there. Their first kiss, the scene where she agrees to go to Tatooine with him, and their wedding are all on that balcony. Mm-hmm. And in that scene where they have their first kiss, the infamous I don't like sand line (laughs) is in response to Padme saying that she loves the water and she loved lying out on the sand. Mm -hmm. And Anakin's like, yeah, I, I, when I think of sand, (laughs) I don't think of lying out in the sun on my field trip with school. Anakin didn't go to school. (laughs) Anakin had to work for a living in sand and sand got in all of his stuff and made it really, really hard for him. So he doesn't like that. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) So I, I love actually that line. I love that I don't like sand line because (laughs) in my understanding, he's saying I don't like slavery and I don't like what, you know, my harsh upbringing. And I'm trying to tell you that, you are what I, I like you. I like water. I like your version of sand. Mm -hmm. I wish that I could have lived here and I wish that I could live here in the future. And and so there's like so much going on there that has nothing to do with sand. It's just how he is able, how he is attempting to communicate. He's actually not able to communicate in any
1: way. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely could have been more clear. But also, it's part of his character that he doesn't know how to communicate. So, (laughs) So, you know.
0: (laughs) And he never actually gets any better at it. So, Naboo obviously has a lot. I have a lot of emotions wrapped up in Naboo. Because I have a lot of emotions wrapped up in those characters and Mm -hmm. their plots. And all of that. But just at an aesthetic level. If I was going to choose a planet to live on in Star Wars, I'm going to Naboo.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I probably would, too, honestly. So, And, again, there's filming on location here where they filmed in Spain and Italy, I believe.
0: Yes. You can get married where Anakin and Padme got married. Aw. <laughs> <Which, laughs> that's fun. You know, that's super sweet. Or you can also just take pictures of you and your awesome Padme cosplay. <laughs> there's lots of that online, too. <laughs> like Acto is just as beautiful in real life. They didn't have to do anything (laughs) to these places to make them stunning and beautiful. And that's also sort of magical, I think.
1: Yeah. Hey, earth is beautiful too. Right, yeah. And I like that it's filmed in multiple different countries and even like the architecture is sort of drawing influences from Turkey with like sort of the mosque style. And so it's kind of this fusion of real world cultures going on. So it's like not just creating a fantasy planet but showcasing different parts of our own planet i also i think it's a cool contrast that like it's sort of this beautiful peaceful place and then on there's those scary underwater creatures too so it's like once you're beneath the surface there's it's much less it's like more hostile you know yes
0: and that is a metaphor for palpatine (laughs) just saying
1: i mean yeah definitely (laughs) he's the phantom menace right he's the phantom menace (laughs) And I do like the Gungan city as well, underwater. I think oh. that's a neat concept.
0: When they go into the Gungan city, when they just enter it, and it's all like, lit up, and and it's like the purple jellyfish, but on this like amazing. These are this is these are but not buildings, like uh, structures. Is the mm-hmm. best word to say. That's really amazing to me. But I want yeah. to know more about the Gungans and their culture. It's like this is really interesting. How there's. These two, these two cultures on this one planet, and mm-hmm. I want to know more. And we Would do go there a couple times in the Clone Wars.
1: Yeah, not too often. Not too often.
0: It's the blue I, I, shadow again. virus. <laughs> All right, so my next category is forest planets.
1: Does that also include forest moons? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so that's funny, because number one on my list out here is, is Endor is a moon. So, no, I did not write down Endor
1: <laughs> because it's a moon. Yeah, I was thinking about, though, I'm like, are we going to have a moon episode? Probably not. Uh, I, I sort of think of it as a planet. <laughs> it can count. I mean, I just I just like it. the design of Endor. That's pretty much, and, and, and again, it was filmed in a real place. So, it, mm-hmm. um, I think that's cool. It was filmed in the giant redwood forest of Northern California. And I just like like the little huts that are connected by the wooded bridge and the bridges and the treetops and stuff like that. I do like that.
0: I like the, the whole Ewok village. Yeah. The, the that's, whole that's design good. and idea of the Ewok village and, and all of the weapons, quote unquote, that they use to take down, again, the empire of people who just sort of show up and build horrible things on their moon Mm -hmm. the ewoks are like hey we live here (laughs) why are you building weapons of mass destruction
1: (laughs) next to us i also read that the scenes with explosions on endor were shot on private logging land because those trees were already going to be logged so i take it that real trees were exploded (laughs) in return of the jedi (laughs) which is like yeah they say how it was filmed in this parkland in california but then there's the specific section that's like but not the explosions i don't know if this was on wikipedia or some other article but i thought
0: that was interesting (laughs) no no real trees were harmed in the making of this film
1: (laughs) and endor also makes me think a lot of this video game I played as a kid, Star Wars Battlefront 2, not the new one, but on the PlayStation 2. Endor was one of my favorite maps in that one, again, because I like those little bridges between the trees and everything. So sometimes when it's a place that I've visited in a video game or whatever, it's like it feels familiar to me or something like that. Aww. Same thing with Tatooine. So, But it is definitely not a planet, so it <laughs> doesn't get to count. So my
0: forest planet's other than my et planets, my forest mm-hmm. planets are probably the one... It's like a, a stretch okay. <laughs> to okay. call them all. There's, there's one that's definitely a forest planet, and then there's the others. <laughs> <laughs> so the one that's definitely a forest planet, and that is my favorite of my forest planet lists, is Takodana, Maz Kanata's planet. Maz
1: Kanata, yeah.
0: Like, Ray literally runs away into the forest there.
1: Right. So, so
0: that's definitely forest planets. <laughs> but there's also water. But there's also water because the the beautiful scene with the X wings mm-hmm. is in water. And you know, obviously, you can't have a, a just a forest. Like right. you can have just a desert planet or just a ice planet, but mm-hmm. just a forest planet doesn't really work. <laughs> you act, you do need water for for that to happen because uh-huh. you can't you can't have plants without them. Like that forest is even. You know, brought up again in The Last Jedi when Kylo Ren and Rey are having their force bond conversations. Uh-huh. And he says, you're looking at me the way you did in the forest. So I just, it it sticks out in my yeah. head as that's a forest.
1: And Rey is, you know, she thinks the forest is so beautiful, right? She says, "Right." I've never seen so much green in the whole galaxy. Right? Exactly.
0: That is my, that is why. So
1: that's what she's drawn to. The way that Anakin's drawn to the the water and things like that, yeah.
0: Exactly. She it's the same, these desert children who see more than desert for for the first time and Mm -hmm. are amazed by it. You know, Anakin says that Nabu is the most beautiful place he's ever seen, and Ray has that line that just Gets me every time. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie, and it's one of my favorite moments for Ray. Mm-hmm. Is when she sees that and ha- just has this look of wonder on it, and like it makes me cry <laughs> to, to think of that moment. So, I, I that's why that's why this planet is was bolded on my list because mm. of how important it was to Ray. And. This is the one that I expect to be mentioned more in various. The only new thing that's been announced for Star Wars is that is though that High Republic, but Maz Kanata is old enough to exist, two hundred years ago, and so we could go back there. We could mm-hmm. we could get more legends of Takodana and Maz Kanata, and so I'm like, I th- I can look forward to that.
1: Yeah. I would like to see more of the planet, and I do like Maz's place there. You know the way that's kind of decorated with all those flags. But the flags, like right? Yeah,
0: they, it reminds me of like a Tibetan place. Uh-huh. Those are, those flags are cool. I, it's another. It's like I want to know more about the culture. I want to know mm. more about this place. This is an interesting. It has like a temple aspect to it. Yeah, and that's interesting. You know, she gets the lightsaber
1: there and everything. Right.
0: So. So there's it's like, sort
1: of this secret downstairs place <laughs> it's with BB-8 in the stairs, my favorite scene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, BB-8, so precious.
1: I'm reading on Wikipedia right now. Apparently, the planet was named after J.J. J. Abrams' favorite city in Shinjuku, Tokyo, called Takadanobaba. Wow. That's, random. That's, that's random. That's very random. That's
0: very random. But, but <laughs> now <interesting>. we know. <laughs> okay, so I have two planets that I'm going to mention together, but we can discuss them separately, of course. But I just want to mention them together because they're both only animated. Okay. So these are Ryloth and Lothal. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought of Lothal for sure, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's sort of a stretch to call them forest planets. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: I thought about it and I looked I looked at pictures and I looked at the descriptions on Wikipedia and I decided this was the best place for them. Certainly Lithal has forests. Yeah. And it's it's like a more of a grassland kind of thing going.
1: Mm. Yeah, they're both kind of earth-like in that yeah. again exactly. they have a variety of different landscapes. They have everything. So yeah.
0: forest planet could also be terrestrial or earth-like like mm-hmm. that that makes sense to me so so they fit into that we get to see more of Lothal Lothal is a big part of Rebels it's where Ezra lives mm-hmm. lived at the beginning that's where he grew up and it's where the series begins and ends and they in addition to being the ghost crew and the specters are called the Lothal Rebels so it's sort of their thing it's, mm-hmm. it's it's their home base planet. And so we get to see lots of different parts of it. What I like about Lothal is that they have loth cats and <laughs> and wolves. <laughs> I was going to say that too. It <laughs> has very cool creatures. It has cool creatures and I really like them all and I like that aspect of it I, th- I it's cool to think about the different creatures you know that's something on all of the planets there's they have unique creatures mm-hmm. like the tauntauns and stuff like that but yeah. but the the loth cats and the loth wolves are definitely they you know and like the porgs on octo like, like,
1: yay everybody's so <laughs> um, oh yeah we didn't mention the porgs the porgs oh, yeah, that's yeah. our cool part and how they're like again they're real <laughs> Little puffins. <laughs> puffins. I think the the loath wolves kind of have this mysterious aspect to them, and sort of a connection to the force going on, if I remember correctly. So that's yes. pretty cool. They're definitely a, a. They have a connection
0: to the force, and there's. I. I'm sorry. I keep bringing up the High Republic, but it's been in the news for the past. Few. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I saw the. I saw the trailer. That's about it. There's a one drawing of
0: uh, lots of Jedi. Mm-hmm. Here, are, here are some Jedi that are going to be in the High Republic, and one of them is riding a loth wolf huh. And it was like, ooh. Very neat. So I'm excited to learn more about their connection to the Force. The Force creatures is an interesting idea to me. Yeah. Is it every loath wolf or is it like people and some of them are force sensitive and some of them aren't? Like these are interesting Mm. questions to me. So, and there's, there was definitely like one of them was like another part of Canaan's soul or something.
1: Yeah. It was like his force energy after, after he had died or something. Right. Like he, the wolf appears to Ezra. Yes. Very, very neat. Definitely more to be explored with that. Yeah, so I'm ex- I'm I'm into that, and
0: there's a Jedi temple on Lothal, and like there's, oh yeah, like, you know it's so that means that Lothal has interesting connections to the Force the way that Tatooine might, mm-hmm. some kind of little virgins of the Force. Yeah, for sure. And so I like seeing I like seeing that Lothal has that as well. The reason I mention these two together, we've been saying how amazing it is that they use real-world places for Naboo and Akto and Hoth. Obviously, they don't use real-world places for the animated planets. Cartoons. yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's less cool in that way, but it's also like they can sort of do whatever they want with it. They can make mm. it look real, and they can also make it look not real, and that's interesting. You know, That's sort of fun, too. It's sort of like how can you create a planet and make it seem like Yes, you can imagine a real-world version of that planet.
1: Right. Or even, like, they can... I mean, this isn't necessarily true of these planets, but if I think of a planet like Felucia, you know, I almost find that more believable in The Clone Wars than in the films because it's, like, so cartoony and over-the-top and sort of stands out, you know? And so it's something that can be done in a cartoon in a way that it fits in kind of well.
0: So guess what my fourth forest planet was? Felicia Felucia. Oh. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and exactly yeah, for it's that like reason. so
1: odd that I don't even know what to call it, but yeah.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like it's a floral planet. Uh-huh. It's a... So there's definitely plants there. And so yeah. that's why I decided that it counted as a forest planet. But yes, when Felucia appeared in Revenge of the Sith, and it's during Order 66, so it's like... right. You're crying when it <laughs> appears on on screen. Very, very small amount of screen time. It's like a two second thing. But I was like, hey, I really want to know more about that planet that Aayla Secura died on. You <laughs> know, it was like once you're over the this was sad part of that all of that. It's like, what? That I was, was cool. That. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know everything there is to know about that planet. And so I loved, I was like, desperate for them to, to explore it in the Clone Wars, and mm-hmm. I do think that it does... That's the planet that the Clone Wars is made it's for, well animation to. is made yeah. for, because they can take something that has two seconds screen time and is like a, a living painting almost, in Revenge of the Sith, and turn it into an actual planet. Right, The wide, big version of that idea. And that's really exciting, so... Felucia's awesome.
1: Yeah, and it's in it's briefly in that episode of Clone Wars I mentioned last episode, uh, the Padawan lost one before Ahsoka gets taken. The beginning battle takes place on Felucia. And as I mentioned, the that episode does have really nice animation and details, and so it is cool to see the Felucia portion of it where you're seeing like creatures and all the plant life and the landscapes and the lighting and everything. So it's definitely, I agree, very well-suited to... To um animation, would you consider Dagoba a forest planet? Yes, it's a swamp. Yeah, but I think so maybe swamp is basically a forest <laughs> it's a wetland. planet. It's a wetland. <laughs> See, shockingly, Dagoba is not on my list. <laughs> uh, it's because it's Yoda, it's Yoda's, Yoda's, Yoda's home. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have too much to say about it, but I do like sort of the aesthetic of it, sort of that dark and swampy um, look, and I think that the iconic scene of lifting that x-wing out of the swamp wouldn't really have the same effect without that setting That's you know true. it's kind of covered in vines and partially submerged and the sort of darkness you know and that there's sort of a light l- light effect to it because yes. he's using the force and everything and so i think that it was a very very good choice to show off, kind of the force, and um, have it be the planet where Luke is learning about the force. I think it's also like almost uh, you were saying that Lothal has a connection to the force, and I think obviously Dagobah is a planet that has a strong connection to the force, and that's why Yoda, Yoda goes ends up going there. there. Yeah, so that's kind of neat.
0: I was going to say say that as well, and also it's when Luke goes into the forest, they they talk about the hero's journey. Mm a lot in regards to Star Wars and in this particular case in Empire Strikes Back he literally goes into the forest to confront a version of himself which is like something that in the Campbellian hero's journey is like that's that's what you do is you go
1: mm-hmm.
0: into the unknown and it's called going into the forest. Yes, keep frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, Luke lives it out exactly in that moment mm-hmm. and yeah it's very, very blatant it's very blatant and in, and so i like i like the the darkness of that and the darkness of the idea and i like that it's a forest so i do yeah i think that the the symbolism of of dagobah is great and i agree that the x-wing it, that scene would not be the same without all of the gunk yeah hanging off of the ship
1: yeah i think it really adds to the effect and as we talked about before, with Hoth being kind of this hostile, unhospitable sort of place and sort of setting the scene for Empire Strikes Back, Dagobah's kind of continuing that sort of mood or tone, Absolutely. I guess. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yep. Now moving on to City Planets. Ooh. Which I love. I love the City Planets. Uh huh. What I like about my four City Planets is that there's this weird, like, class
1: structure
0: to them and that's interesting to me
1: I agree that's really interesting I don't know what your four are though (laughs) I can only think of Coruscant
0: Uh, well Coruscant is the one that is both bolded and underlined because Coruscant is amazing everything about Coruscant is amazing nothing exists (laughs) in those scenes Barely the furniture exists in those scenes. Oh, absolutely,
1: yeah, 100% CGI, yeah.
0: It's so real to me. I just love how unreal and how real everything about Coruscant is.
1: Yeah, it fits the tone, again, with fitting the tone of the film, it fits the tone of the prequels that it does almost have this unrealistic look to it, like pristine, you know, or computery, like the technology is big in the prequels, and there's far more characters there's more people inhabiting the planets there's more i guess you could say the hustle and bustle of the city is a good fit for the era of the prequels before you know people are isolated and in exile and all that it's
0: very crowded it's yeah. very busy it's bright it's always on mm-hmm. you know it's never quiet even in the quietest moments of those films, for example, the 4 Spawn scene between Anakin and Padme uh-huh. with the really ominous music, right. even in that scene, which is very quiet, there's all this stuff going on. There's still ships in the skies. There's still yeah. the city is alive and the city is going.
1: I love that. My favorite thing in Revenge of the Sith is like looking in the backgrounds and seeing like the busyness of Coruscant going on while all of these more intimate scenes are happening. I especially think the sunsets and the night scenes are actually very beautiful, even if they're not real. (laughs) I love the night scenes. At the beginning of Attack of the
0: Clones, Mm -hmm. that whole chase scene where everything is lit up and it's like this cyberpunk sci-fi city mm-hmm. and yet within star Wars and it still has this old school fantasy thing going on with it too. Like that's so cool to me the when they go into that CD bar yeah. <laughs> with the death Sticks guy, like that place is amazing. And I love <laughs> contrasting that with like the clone bar that they go in the movie in the clone Wars movie, they mm-hmm. go to like the clones only bar and it's, it's, more like Moss Eisley than the Death Sticks bar and I just think that that's I like those little like this is still Coruscant but it has this CD underground and then yeah. there's an even more CD underground you know Dex's diner is like yeah. so there's so many really interesting places in Coruscant and then you you also have to look at it's where the Jedi are and where the Jedi temple and the Jedi library and all of that is, it's where the Senate is. It's where that opera is. Like all of that is in the same place. Mm-hmm. So it seems very alive. It's like New York exploded yeah. all over.
1: <laughs> and yeah. It's like, there's so many different things going on. There's all different like neighborhoods. Like you said, one, like just cause there's multiple bars they could be very different. And that's definitely reflected Throughout the Clone Wars and in the films, and we get to see a lot of Coruscant because of the Clone Wars, because so much you know during that era is taking place in the big city. It's the center of the Republic. Yeah, everything is there, so it's important. The Jedi Temple, it, they're all training there. Soka's training there. It feels very.
0: It becomes a real a real place. It's like oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's Coruscant, and yeah, I love to think about how. Someone like Anakin, who grew up in the exact opposite of Coruscant, you know, mm. in the middle of the desert and then coming into this, you know, bright lights, big city. It must have been always loud for him there. It just missed, like, mm. I, I don't know. I just think about it a lot. I just think about how <laughs> Anakin deals with Coruscant and it's just really. Right. But Coruscant is amazing and is. Exciting, and also sort of scary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and you're right that there's like that huge class divide to it where like the lower levels are right more of the like poor working class people and the higher levels are like the super rich people. And I read that even like the upper levels have like the clean filtered air oh. in, in Coruscant because it's all artificial, you know, and so the right. lower levels are like breathing in the more polluted air. Um, and which, again, that's, like, kind of reflective of real life So real. Problems. So yeah. real. I love when they come
0: into orbit of Coruscant or whenever we see Coruscant as a planet. Uh-huh. And it's just, you, there's nothing natural about it. There's no right. land. It's just all this city. And that's, like, so,
1: it's like, oh, yeah, A, that's where Earth's going. Like, I can yeah. imagine. I know. Oh, it gives me such wall <laughs> vibes or like the Lorax movie, like it's- where it's like this hyper artificial place. Because I read, um, I didn't remember if they mentioned this in the Clone Wars, but the place where in the Mandalore arc in the third episode that I didn't talk about, but where like Satine is sort of on the run in Coruscant, right. they meet at this place called Monument Plaza which is apparently the site of the only remaining mountain peak on Coruscant, and it's sort of like an attraction for the (laughs) city. It's like the one piece of nature that's left. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's so, like, Lorax or (laughs) Wally. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Speaking of Mandalore, Mandalore is also one of my city planets.
1: Oh, totally, yeah. It's on my list. I just didn't even think of it being on the city list. There you go.
0: Well, because... There are parts of, we go to parts of Mandalore, like when we go to Sabine's family home, mm-hmm. she seems to live in like Aspen, you know, or like Colorado. Like she doesn't, she doesn't live in the city city.
1: And it probably depends on the era too.
0: Yes. And it probably depends on the era. But when I think of Mandalore as a whole, it's more city than the other things. Right. Right. Definitely. And certainly in the Clone Wars... Yeah, very city. It's very city. <laughs> and it's very... And it's cool. It's almost like a mini Coruscant. You know, it's like... Yeah. It's, it's the Atlanta to Coruscant's New York.
1: hmm But it's different. It's got a different style to it. Yes. I really like, like, the sort of geometric aesthetic where, like, even the trees are, like, made of cubes on Mandalore. <laughs> I don't know. I just like that. It's, like, very... Tomorrowland or something. Yes. <laughs> it's just so interesting. Yeah,
0: interesting. I, I was going <laughs> to say it, it feels a little bit like, I just called it Atlanta, but you're right. It feels more like a, a European city, too, of course, mm-hmm. New York. And you're right that I it has this otherworldly aesthetic to it in a different way. It's not cyberpunk at all. But it is yeah, Tomorrowland. You're right. Tomorrowland <laughs> is a really good way of putting it, as opposed to the cyberpunk reality, of course. And, and that's mm-hmm. that's really cool. So I I love that they were able to create the same kind of, hey, look, here's our central government, and here's our religion, and here's our CD Underground, and here's our ninjas. <laughs> but... but be very different. And again, this is one where they we've only seen it in cartoon form.
1: Mhm.
0: Uh, so that they they could create whatever they wanted.
1: Yeah, again, so it could be very very like strange looking and I mean, we talked about Coruscant, none of that is real either, but even just the fact again that like the characters are also cartoons, it's like something kind of out there fits in better right. in a cartoon. Yeah. So, I like it. Me too. And then Bespin. Oh, Bespin. Cloud, Cloud City. I oh, like the rest of it is not a city, but Cloud City is. Cloud City is a city. <laughs> and we don't really know what the rest of it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there could be other cities because it's so Cloud City is like mining the gas that Bespin is made of. Yes. Because it's like a gas giant like Jupiter, right? Right, right. And so, yeah, there could very well be other cities that are that are associated with it.
0: If it's a gas planet, then they would also be floating cities, right? Right. It would be like...
1: Yeah, I would expect.
0: They, I mean, there could be a species that lives, that, you know, breathes whatever those gases are and lives yeah. down. Like, I can imagine that in the Star Wars Reality And so that's interesting. It's mm-hmm. like, hmm, what's under <laughs> Cloud City? And did the humans ask their permission? Or did they just take over like <laughs> the Gungans? So this is something that was... They made, you know, much like with Tatooine, they didn't have a lot... They didn't have the same ability to create wackadoo, fluorescent levels of <laughs> fantasy world... In 1980.
1: But it is very fantasy.
0: But it is very fantasy. And it is very different. You know, it's like... Yeah. That was really creative, Mr. Lucas. Yeah. Of, hey, what if there was a planet that was entirely made up of buildings that were in the clouds, They're of, of buildings that weren't just skyscrapers, but they only exist up here. Like, mm-hmm. they're... But they're buildings and not ships, and like that's cool. That's a cool yeah. idea, and I like how they put it together. Yeah, it has a very cool look to it. It has this whole, you know, there's like the shining silver, reaching to the the stars. It's just, it's really cool, and it, it really does come across as a like it fits Lando's aesthetic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like I believe that Lando is in charge of that place.
1: Right. It it makes sense to me. And yeah, I can't think of Cloud City without thinking of Lando for sure.
0: So I I like it for that. I like it for it being this really interesting idea of Yeah. So, someone like Lando who is a scoundrel, who is a a gambler you know decided he wanted to to stay somewhere and make something of something. And And so he like takes over a city that's, that has no right to be there. <laughs> you know It's like that place is crazy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's, so it's, it's really interesting to me and I just like it. I like the aesthetic. I like the landowness of it.
1: I agree for sure. And, and I do like that since it is like mining the gas, that it's, the city is tied to the planet economically. And they sort of, you know, it's neat when they make the effort to show how the societies that we're seeing exist and like why they exist and why they're there and sort of hinting at like what the history is and like things like that. Um right. sort of, it's not just a random city in the clouds. It's like, Okay, I can I can understand you know why it's there kind of thing, right? It's very cool. Definitely, I agree with the aesthetic. is beautiful, very neat. And then,
0: so my fourth city planet is Corellia.
1: Corellia,
0: which is where Han Solo Solo is from. Oh, which we knew we knew from the beginning. It's where Han Solo is from, but we don't actually see it until Until Solo. That's yeah. the first time we actually see Corellia. And we spend like five minutes there. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> we do not get a, a we, we see the underground tunnels where the orphans live. <laughs> right, yeah. We see the starport, <laughs> but Corellia is known for being where they build starships, mm. including the big ones, the imperial ones. hmm So it's interesting to me as Corellia is, like, an industrial planet. Like, it's it's a shipyard, but Mm -hmm. it's a starship yard. It's this weird technological, like, just interesting to me as it's like Detroit. It's the Detroit Mm. planet, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, of course, that's where Han Solo is from, you know? Like, scrappy street kid lives underground and doesn't have a last name is from Corellia. Like, it makes mm-hmm. sense to me, and I like that the same way that I like that Padme is from Naboo. I like the idea of Corellia more than what we've actually seen because we haven't really seen anything. You know, we we saw AP5 get knocked over by <laughs> Han. That's about it.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, well, we we could always see more of it. We could see more, and... And
0: it's one of those things where so there were all of these novels that were written about the original trilogy characters
1: Mm -hmm.
0: before the sequels existed, before Disney happened. There were all these novels about their future. And I read a lot of those. And they it was still they didn't actually ever go to Corellia, but they would talk about it a lot. Because Mm -hmm. it was because Han Solo is, you know, an important character. He's probably You know, he's a fan favorite. For sure. Certainly. And so where Han Solo comes from is something that you think about a lot. And because Leia is royalty, like literal royalty, even if she doesn't actually have a planet, it was important to understand where her consort came from. Mm -hmm. You know, like, even though it's silly to think about, like, okay, are you good enough for Leia? <laughs> that, was a, that was a thing. That was a part of these novels. And so I've always, had, I've always been sort of fascinated by the idea of Corellia as where Han Solo is from, even though it's, like, Han doesn't really care. It's not really, he, he a lot of these planets, and this is why, at the end of the day, I want to live on Naboo, like, no one who came from Tatooine wanted to stay there. Han certainly didn't want to stay in Corelli. He wanted to get out as soon as possible. Right. Like, no one, like, everyone wanted to, everyone, to get out. Right. <laughs> everyone wants to leave these places. No one wants to stay there. But it's not like it's a good planet. No offense to Detroit. <laughs> but it's an interesting planet.
1: Yeah. And it's a part of a story of a character that right. we care about and we want to know where they came from and how they ended up where they are now. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I like the city planets because the natural planets are natural and beautiful and amazing, but the city planets are, like, about the story and the characters. and the Yeah.
1: Like and it, it can convey real-world problems really well, too. Exactly. And because in the real world, cities are where everyone wants to live, and at the same time, it's where a lot of the worst poverty in the world is and a lot of the worst environmental problems, you know. Yep. I am in the environmental field where I'm a part of... There, There's a huge amount of people, amount of the field that's devoted to studying cities in particular because there are so many people convene, and, you know, it has a lot of interesting human problems, and mm-hmm. so... It's interesting to learn about cities, and for a fictional story like this, it's interesting to see cities represented in this sort of fantasy context, but still representing real world problems.
0: Yes, and I like, I, this is one of the things that I really, that is like sort of unique to Star Wars, and that I really like about it, is that we do have an entire planet that is a city. And so you can see these different ideas of here's our beautiful forest place and here's our beautiful city place and it's the entire planet. It's not like America where there's Mm -hmm. the city and the suburbs and the rural areas. It's like the entire planet is this way. Yeah, It sort of blows it all up to this hyper reality that is really interesting. But is very easy, like, that's, that the reason that you can, you can talk about real world issues is because it is blown up to this hyper reality. Yeah. So that it's just sort of blatant.
1: Definitely. Yeah. So do you have any more city planets? I do not. I only have two more planets I really wanted to talk about. And I would guess I would call them in the other category. Yes. (laughs) In the, in the,
0: Planets that don't fit into any other category. Category. <laughs> Let's start with Yago. Yego. which was mentioned in the Phantom Menace and is in one in one episode of Clone Wars. It's go. not the Blue Shadow Virus, but it's like the one after the Blue Shadow Virus. They have to go to Yego oh, yeah, to find the,
1: the like obnoxious kid. Yes, <laughs> 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 with the obnoxious. And then like climbing on stuff
0: and. Yeah. I mean, it's very. It's like a western. It's it's very Obi Wan and Anakin show up and need something from the locals, and the locals are like, "We hate you." No. <laughs> but then Obi Wan and Anakin save the day, and end up like fixing the entire economy of the of like not just that one. But the whole like there's so, Diego in Phantom Menace is is, uh, Anakin says angels are from the moons of Diego. So that's the that's the the mention and Mm -hmm. the reason that it's important to anyone in Star Wars is because people want to know where these angels live. And it's another one of those silly Anakin lines. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every line. (laughs) of anakin's is kind of silly but that's why i love him i was excited when the clones wars were like we're going to show you some angels from the moons of Diego. and we're going to do it in a ridiculous plot that is about anakin and obi-wan having to go there and they have to go through the thousand moons of Yago to get to Yago, and then the people of Yago are like we hate you <laughs> they have to climb down into a pit to get, like, yeah, a flower. <laughs> yeah. Like, the crazy, like... And there are bird, animals, like, yeah, pterodactyls. Yeah, there's, like all
1: kinds of <laughs> try um, to... adventures. And it's so...
0: absurd. It's a, it's a silly episode. But I just like that the Clone Wars were, were like, we're going to give this to you. Yes. We're going to show you the moons of Yago because... That silly throwaway line that makes a lot of people cringe, really, <laughs> in The Phantom Menace, even though I, of course, love it.
1: I love when The Clone Wars does that. They like pick, pick up on things and run with it. And, and make this a
0: completely ridiculous plot that I love because it's completely ridiculous. So, yes, it made an impression on me. And I appreciate that The Clone Wars did that for me. So I had to put it on my list.
1: That's great. So yeah, Diego. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I did not even remember that one. <laughs> that's fair.
0: And then another one that is just like this is a ridiculous planet, but I appreciate it is Crate. Crate.
1: That's on my list. It, it, it tastes like, like salt. <laughs> <laughs> it's salty. It's salty. It's made of
0: salt and it has crystal foxes and it's mostly yeah. rocky I guess but
1: it's it's actually salt and I mean I don't know how anyone can't love it. I think it's honestly the most visually cool looking planet in Star Wars. Like I every time I watch The Last Jedi mm-hmm. I just think it looks so cool the way that the color of the ground changes yes. as the like the battle progresses and everything.
0: The color, the fact that when the the ships, I I remember just seeing it in the trailer and being like, yeah. whoa!" I can't wait to see this movie because it was just such an amazing effect yeah, of the, the starbees
1: traveling in parallel with like and the then, lines on the ground. Right, exactly. So the very cool white and visually, then revealing yeah. the red, and it's
0: it's really like the entire. End of Last Jedi is so cool. Yeah. Like everything that happens on that planet is amazing. The scene with Leia alone and how quiet it is, that whole thing, it, like the mm. atmosphere is just amazing. Yeah. And I and I love the creatures. The creatures are so cool. The Volptex, yeah. I love They're the scene cool. where Ray flies the Millennium Falcon through the rocks. Like, anytime you get to have the Millennium Falcon flying through something, it's great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. so,
1: just everything about Crate is is really cool. I, I absolutely agree. And I think that, so, like, I read about it, and it was partially filmed on location in Bolivia, this place called Salar de, de Oyuni which is the world's largest salt flat. Nice. And so it has that characteristic of actually being salt and also being almost entirely flat, like all the way to the horizon, which is just kind of uncanny and like not what you picture on Earth. You know, you don't picture that as being an earthly environment, Um, but it is real. And the, but the red stuff was, was CG, but Ryan Johnson apparently wanted it to look, like a bloodbath, but just from the setting, you know, like so like oh. as the battle progressed, it's like it's as if the battlefield's getting bloodier, but it's oh. just the environment. Yes. Which is just such an And neat also aspect.
0: like the setting sun. It's like it's all it's yes. so gorgeous. The the cinematography is amazing.
1: It is amazing. And and it looks real for sure, like everything that happens there. And it's creative.
0: It's very creative. And I I love that he was using the planet to help tell the story. Like that's yeah. that's Peak Star Wars. The, the footprints and the...
1: Yeah. Very, very
0: cool. Shout out to saddest planet of all, Alderaan. Aww. <laughs> we don't get to see much of Alderaan. We get a blink and you'll miss it, Alderaan, at the very end of Red Adventure of the Sith. All we know about Alderaan is that there are purple mountains. And then we see a blow up. <laughs> but, but, I couldn't not include Alderaan. Like... Even if all I had to say is, we really, really deserve a movie where we learn all about Alderaan. <laughs> Hello. It
1: is in the Clone Wars, right? There is an Alderaan. Yes. Yes. Episode.
0: There is an Alderaan episode.
1: Ahsoka has. And it's then.
0: in it's in books. It's in comics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There are we we've gone to Alderaan, and I appreciate that that it's not forgotten.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if someone says Alderaan to you, what you think of, it blew up.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and that's sad. But of
1: course, everyone wants to know more about Alderaan because we didn't get to see that. <laughs> it's important. You know, it's like, hey. Yeah.
0: And it's it's where, you know, Leia, Leia is the first main character that we see in all of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And we want to know where she grew up. You know, I yeah, want to know just where like she grew up.
1: Just like with Han Solo. yeah, Right.
0: It's important. It's an important part of her backstory, and so even though it's destroyed and sad, I like Aldron.
1: But it does look pretty in that very short scene, <laughs> A
0: pretty mountain with a pretty sunset.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's Aldron to me, and so I couldn't let it. And I, you know, it couldn't. I couldn't classify it into any of my classifications because who knows what Aldron's like. <laughs> We don't know. Aw. Even in the little glimpses we've had, we've only seen where Bail vale Organa lives. Right. We haven't seen anything else of that planet, so oh well. But it was important. I'm guessing that my final planet is also your final planet. because Probably. It's the one we haven't <laughs> talked about, and it's kind it's of dramatic. Yeah.
1: So it's Mustafar. Mustafar. Volcano planet. I mean,
0: amazing. You know how I said earlier in our discussion that maybe the Star Wars galaxy is our future? Maybe the Star Wars galaxy is also our past. Like, what if what if the Star Wars galaxy is our past? And because, you know, fun fact, Earth was once a volcano planet.
1: Yep.
0: So what if we were Mustafa? it's possible no but (laughs) (laughs) no obviously aesthetically it's a very important planet it's another one that was like a legend before we actually got to see it on screen Mm -hmm. because it was known pre prequels that Obi-Wan threw Anakin into a volcano Like that was a thing it was like Darth Vader was created because he got thrown into a volcano. <laughs> In the back of your mind, if you, if, you, if you knew that story, which, you know, was maybe 20% of the audience, but still, if you knew that story, you were, you were looking forward to the big lightsaber battle that happened next to a volcano <laughs> so that it ended okay. up with somehow Anakin gets thrown into it. I love that it's an entire planet.
1: Right. (laughs) It's not just next to a volcano. It is a volcano everywhere. It's (laughs) literally,
0: that's the planet. I love when we see Anakin arrive at Mustafar and it's just a bright red and orange angry planet. Yeah. I love that. I love... Reflecting the
1: tone of the film again. Right. The
0: emotion of the characters. Exactly. I love every scene that happens on Mustafar. Anakin just going crazy and murdering everybody. (laughs) Anakin crying, Padme and Anakin in the best scene ever, then the best lightsaber battle.
1: Definitely the best lightsaber battle. Like,
0: (laughs) just, sorry, that's just the truth. People can argue with me, and their opinions are valid, but... The all-important high ground. (laughs) It's just so amazing. The Lava is a whole third character...
1: I know. I, that's part of what makes the best lightsaber battle is just that they are, like, jumping on pipes and <laughs> grapes and bridges are falling apart. Everything's falling apart around them. Volcanoes are erupting. It's just insane. It's crazy.
0: There are multiple t- times when they just sort of pause and look at the lava, like, what is happening and why yeah. am I doing this? Yeah, I love yeah. that, and I love that they bring it back in the Rise of Skywalker in the final lightsaber battle between mm. Ray and Ben, where the water is falling on them and they're just fighting, and it's it's they just get t- more and more tired throughout <laughs> yeah. that, and they're just it's just yeah, like yeah, what are I you doing and why are you doing this?
1: It's definitely similar. Like yeah, I normally in most of the other lightsaber battles, it's really just that you're focusing on the battle and like the terrain isn't playing as much of a role but those are two scenes where definitely the the setting is very important to the outcomes of the battle and right. the, everything and it's just the most epic backdrop possible for the most epic lightsaber battle exactly
0: and as you said that it that it reflects what's happening it because they are both volcanoes of emotion <laughs> yeah and yes, for so sure is the audience at that point you know we're I certainly I'm also exhausted and angry and sad and desperate you know I'm feeling all of that too and it's like a volcano is the perfect
1: reflection of how I feel right now in this movie (laughs) yeah for sure it's it's so good I agree and it's Yeah, it's always lame when it cuts back to Yoda and Palpatine in the Senate. It's like, that's so much less exciting. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, no, go back. (laughs) Volcano, volcano. And this is also one of those places that's just 100% CGI. Yes. Like if you watch behind the scenes, like you see you and McGregor and Hayden Christensen just like par- <laughs> parkouring all over the green screens, you know, it's, it looks ridiculous. But it's amazing how well they're able to act through it and make it look yes. real. Yes,
0: and that's why I say when people are like, oh, the prequels have, have bad acting and everything is everything is fake, and it's like, what is wrong with you?
1: Just, it's not bad just, acting. Just look at this. Not in my opinion, at least. The scene between
0: Anakin and Obi-Wan at the end when there's a, a literal river of lava behind Anakin with no limbs screaming at Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan unable to even acknowledge what's going on. He's so exhausted and, and beaten down at that point. Like that scene is amazing.
1: Yeah. There's a great line from Harris and Dula in Rebels. Mustafar is where Jedi go to die. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh. and th- right, and so then we get to, we Sad get to time. go
0: back <laughs> to Mustafar in Rogue
1: One. Like I will Bader's never Castle.
0: ever get over Vader's Castle.
1: <laughs> I was so excited. Bring it to Disney World, please and thank you. Come on, Disney. Yeah, come on. <laughs> give, give the people what they
0: want. Vader's castle. Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. Cinderella's <laughs> castle over here and Vader's castle over there.
1: theres Perfection. I mean, the Beast's castle is there. So if we can have that villain castle, then why not Darth Vader's castle? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it would be so good. Like, I, 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 it's everything about it is beautiful. And I guess the Beast is not a villain. I, sorry, this isn't a Disney podcast, but I'm wrong about the Beast to that statement. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, then, you know. Vader's only, mostly available.
1: Oh, you're right. He's like the beast, except... Kylo Ren's more We we can debate that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair.
0: And then, you know, we do... I didn't know this until after the fact, but we do get to see Mustafar again in The Rise of Skywalker. And it's interesting to me because once I found that out... So the very first scene of The Rise of Skywalker is Ben Solo... Attacking a bunch of people right. in a red forest.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's
0: Mustafar.
1: Right, I read that and I didn't really. Yeah, get no it. one knew. <laughs> At first, yeah.
0: And no one understood that. But having found that out, I looked up more about it. And like Cantonica, <laughs> Mustafar wasn't always a lava planet. Mm. And so that scene was supposed to be showing, like, that Musafar post-Vader is re- recovering. It's part of its natural habitat or something. Mm. I don't know. And But there's also, like, all these people that live there, but they're, like, Vader cultists.
1: Right. This is another... I don't really
0: understand what's going on <laughs> in this scene. And again, none of this is in the movie, so take all, all with a grain of salt. But apparently... Ben Solo is cutting down a bunch of Vader cultists who are trying to keep the darkness of Mustafar alive while while Mustafar is trying to reclaim itself or something. And that's interesting because it shows some growth. It shows a character arc for Ben Solo that we didn't really get. But Hmm. the idea of the character arc is in this scene because someone who was desperately worshiping the last remaining remnant of Darth Vader in the burnt mask in the first movie and then is just destroying all of these people who agree with him <laughs> shows some something. I don't know what That's shows. interesting. It's yeah. interesting. I,
1: really, it's not... It's not made in the film at all. <laughs> exactly. Like, I have no idea why like, he's killing those people. I wish... I thought they're just in his way as he's going to the... Right. I wish that
0: (laughs) any of this was more explicit because I would like to have gotten that growth.
1: Right. That that is interesting. It is neat to know,
0: yeah. Tidbits of the character arc and the characterization of Ben Solo that we don't actually get in the film. But I just thought I would bring that up because that is Mustafar. Surprise, it's Mustafar.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I do like the idea that the planets can change over time because, again, that does happen in real life. Like you said, Earth used to have, you know, far more volcanoes, and, and yet, you know, you said maybe it's our past, maybe it's also the future because, yeah. you know, Venus is covered in volcanoes, and Venus is supposedly, like... You're right, you're right. It's is sometimes seen by scientists as, like, what could happen with a runaway greenhouse effect on Earth. And so it's interesting to see, you know, them showing that the planets are not just these static locations that don't change at all because things are going to change both with people inhabiting the planets and developing the planets and also just the changing climate and everything. Right. And geology. Yeah. So it is very
0: interesting. And I like I like I like that. I do I do like I like the ideas of that is something that is a part of Star Wars. The idea of nature versus technology mm-hmm. and how people and other races and cultures and species and aliens and whatever interact with both the ideas of nature and the ideas of technology. and you know, That's something that comes up a lot. And so it's interesting to think that the planets are also doing that.
1: Yeah, and you... Mentioning that as a theme kind of, again, ties back to those lightsaber battles where you're in a volcano or the ocean where nature is, like, almost taking over the battle. Yeah. kind of... That's interesting to think about. It goes back to when we were talking about Lothal and Dagobah and the Force
0: being a part of it. The Force Mm -hmm. is something within nature. You know, it's something... Right. ...exterior to our selves that interacts with us and exerts itself on us and so i I mean certainly i can imagine in both the battle between anakin and obi-wan and the battle between ray and ben that the force wants to have a say in it and so like i can imagine it being like hey (laughs) where we're we're also going to we're, we're also going to react to like be reactive and also a part of it
1: yeah that's a really cool idea. So, do you have any ore planets? Not really that I had much to say about. I think two that are also kind of just interesting for their connection to the Force are Dasimir. the yes. one with the Night Sisters. I think that's a cool, kind of spooky planet. And Malachor, same thing. It's like a dark side planet with a dark side temple, Sith temple.
0: Dathomir is cool because it was made up for a book that is part of the extended universe before Mm -hmm. the Disney buyout, so it's now part of legends. Right. But also exists in, like, we got to see it in the Clone Wars. And so it's something that was in Legends. And the Clone Wars were also Legends. But I don't know exactly how the Clone Wars, because the Clone Wars were pre-Disney, but the Clone Wars are considered canon. So it's, like, right. within Disney canon, even though it's originally in Legends. So I don't know. It's just interesting to me. I like it, like, Thrawn is another thing that was made up for these books. uh uh-huh. But... But they brought him. But back. they brought him into rebels because it was like, "Hey guys, we like Thrawn. That's a cool <laughs> idea." So, exactly. Yeah. What I liked best about Dathomir, and what I like best about Dathomir in Clone Wars as well, is that it shows people who are Force users and mm-hmm. not Jedi or Sith.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're not really associated with the Sith or anything like that. They're just kind of. They're just. other Force Mystical users. witch kind of thing. Yeah. So good cool. on them. I don't remember Malachar. Malikar is so that's where Ahsoka confronts Darth Vader in Rebels. Oh, um, so it's mostly they go to that Sith temple there, and I just think that's a cool location. The rest of it's pretty much a wasteland, but yeah, it's just I just think that uh, Sith temple is a cool yeah. location.
0: and it's sort of the why is in Exegol, Malachar is that is <laughs> <does> that what? <work? laughs> I feel like yeah. I feel like that was an Fair argument. Enough.
1: Oh, and is Star Killer base a planet?
0: <laughs> what I've heard is that Starkiller place is Ilum, Ilum, Il, Il- I- um. I-L-U-M, where the Jedi get their kyber crystals.
1: Oh That's what I've heard. Right. Yeah, I think I remember hearing that as well. Yeah.
0: Which is sad? I, I
1: do like the the actual planet of Starkiller Base with the snowy forest. and
0: I remember when we watched the special features for The Force Awakens and it was revealed that that, that everything that happens on Starkiller Base was was uh, filmed in a warehouse and that they created a forest. Right, yeah. And the reason that they created a forest was so that no one knew that Rey got the lightsaber. Mm-hmm that it was to hide the fact that Rey was the Jedi. But it's like it's crazy because I live next to a forest that could be that forest, you know? Uh-huh. It's like this it's very is realistic. Yeah. It's so realistic and it's so could be anywhere. It's absolutely like I agree that it's it's beautiful. And I love I love that lightsaber battle too because there's snow and there's the, the way that the lights of the lightsaber play off of the planet. And the fact that the planet is falling apart around them right, at the yeah, end, that's... and like the planet also like that's another that's another place where the force is like, how would you stop fighting? <laughs> I'm gonna separate you two. So I agree that that's a that's a cool place, but apparently it is the Kyber Crystal planet.
1: Very neat. Again, I d- they didn't say that in the movie, right? No, no, that's just another that thing they I get that you can't fit everything in the movie, so. But it's it's neat to learn about now. Yeah. Did you have any other pl- honorable mentions? No,
0: nope, those were all of my planets. But I do want awesome. to mention I asked uh, I asked online, and I'm like oh, yeah. I want to read these answers, and I also want us to uh, answer the questions that I asked. So mm-hmm. what I asked was, do you have a favorite Star Wars planet? Which would you want to visit or vacation on, and where would you choose to live? Mm. So Naboo won three to one. <laughs> Naboo was the answer. Everybody <laughs> wants to, I mean, to uh, it's, it's their, their favorite, choice. it's where they want to visit, and it's where they want to live. So Naboo, Naboo, Naboo was, was the main answer. And then mm-hmm. one, the one other uh, was Michael on Facebook said, Hoth, because of the vistas, glaciers, peacefulness, and solitude would be amazing. Mm. So I, lo- I, I just liked that. that that was the one standout. Non-naboo answer was was Hawk. and I think that's great because we it's were talking one, about yeah. how how hostile and and crazy it is. But it, I agree that it is also peaceful and quiet and beautiful in its own way.
1: Right. Yeah. But
0: mm. if, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite planet.
1: Favorite planet. Ooh. I want to say Crate just because I do think that it's so creative visually and so different than any of the other planets. So, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll say that one for now. Okay. I think my favorite is probably Mustafar. <laughs> <laughs> Mustafar is great.
0: So where do you want to visit or vacation?
1: So I'll say Coruscant for that one because as someone who, like, for college I was interested in living in a city and then realized that I didn't really like being there all the time. You know, I just love – I really like visiting cities, you know, so I think I would like to visit Coruscant to see everything but not live in such a noisy, crowded place. <laughs> yes, you know, so. that is my exact answer. <laughs> really? I also choose
0: Coruscant and I also don't really want to live there. <laughs> so <laughs> I like Padme's life <clears throat> of I have an apartment over here in Coruscant and then I have this villa <laughs> that I live in yeah. on Naboo.
1: I would like that life.
0: <laughs> but so where
1: would you choose to live? I got to choose Naboo too. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just the most like peaceful and hospitable planet in Star Wars where you're really actually seeing right. people comfortable and enjoying themselves, you know? So
0: all I wanted gotta be not, that one. not all I wanted from the rise of Skywalker, but one thing I wanted from the rise of Skywalker was to end on Naboo <laughs> living <laughs> happily
1: on Naboo. Mm-hmm. That was that's what I wanted. Yeah, we can't, we can't have happy things. Somewhere, there's a
0: universe where that happened.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But, and yes, absolutely. It's, it's definitely idyllic. And I think that that's, you know, if I was going to retire, I would retire on Naboo.
1: Mm. Awesome. All right.
0: Good discussion. Those
1: are good questions. I like that.
0: Thank you for listening to Brea and Leia. You can find us online at brianleia.live. That's brehanlei alive and follow us on Twitter at, at and Leia. I am at Kirsty Beth on Twitter, and I am at manicpixie.dane. Our theme music is "You Can Think Positive" by Snow Music Studio. If you like us. Leave a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And tell your friends. Join us in two weeks for our discussion of our favorite villains.
1: Not the Beast. Not the, Well, the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, okay, he's kind of a villain turned hero. You know, like, like Darth Vader. Anyway, <laughs> not a Disney
0: podcast. We kind of are.